Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast for working mums. Here you can find the tools and inspiration you need to overcome the constant juggle and live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in your everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself, and I'm super happy to be here with you. Hello, hello, hello. A very warm welcome to the Balancing Act podcast. This week, I have a fabulous guest interview to share with you, and it is with Thalia Pellegrini, who is the Knackered Mums nutritionist. And this is a fabulous conversation. Thalia has a really inspiring and really moving story to share about how she came to do what she is currently doing, why she feels so incredibly passionate about supporting mums in like nutritional needs that go way, way beyond just providing our body with the right fuel. Um, it impacts how how we are and it also impacts quite a lot about our family life as well. So I hope you enjoy the discussion. Let um, me know what you think. And Thalia shares um, ways that you can get in touch with her and a fantastic freebie she has around um, five minute breakfasts. And those are all linked to you in the show notes. So enjoy. Good morning, Thalia, and a very, very warm welcome to the Balancing Act podcast. It is fabulous to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Um, yeah, it's a real pleasure to be spending time with you. And I wonder if to start with, you could just tell the listeners a little bit more about your own balancing act, what life looks like for you just now as the knackered mum's nutritionist. I love the phrase balancing act because I think that sums up perfectly <laughs> what life is. It's this perpetual balance, juggle, dropping the balls, picking them back up, you know. Um, and so my life's much like any other working mum. I run my own business. Um, I've got two sons who are 11 and 9. Um, and yes, so um, I love working for myself because it's given me that flexibility to be the mum I wanted to be in terms of presence. So um, before I retrained as a nutritionist, um, I was I worked in TV and I travelled a lot and I worked long hours and I knew I wanted to be a mum and I knew that I couldn't see the, the work I was doing. I couldn't see how it would sit with motherhood. Um, and I'd always been called to nutrition um, because of my own experience with nutritional therapy. So I retrained and that means now um, a decade 15 years later that it means I can take my children to school and I can pick them up from school and um that that has just been you know that's I'm very humbled by by being able to do that I'm very grateful to do that so um my working life is around my sons basically so I work weekends and evenings but it means that I'm present when I can be for them mm, amazing yeah I really hear in that how like how mothering in a, a present way is like one of your your key values there it seems like it's really really fundamental like center point of your life um, and there's no judgment is there because every mum does what she needs to do and what works best for her um and this is what works best for our family so yeah we're, we're very grateful that we get we get to to parent in this way my husband works from home as well so yeah we're, we're very lucky Oh, fantastic. And I think um, 
like the working from home and then also having your own business on top of that is it does give you that extra level of, of flexibility I think when you can really choose your own schedule that that little bit more um yeah I'm finding myself that's one of the the huge benefits I, I didn't quite anticipate how much of a benefit that that yeah. would be um so how, how did nutrition come to be so important to you? Um, when I was 17, I got glandular fever like a gazillion teenagers around the world, um, but I didn't get better. So um, I was, um, I went back to the GP and they said, you have a virus called Epstein-Barr. There's nothing we can do. It, it can sort of re, um, it, sort of re, it flares up basically and there's, you know, that we're really sorry, but there's nothing we could do. And I was sick for another six years, all through university. Um, and um, I reached the point where I graduated and I couldn't hold down a job. So I got a job in London and I was ill all the time. I lit, my body literally couldn't cope. And I was, de- I was getting really desperate. It was affecting everything in my life, as you can probably imagine. And then I walked into a bookshop because books are my solace and always have been. And I thought I will find an answer. Um, and I went up to health and wellness and I found a book that says how to beat fatigue. <laughs> so I picked it up and I read it. Um, and it was written by um, a guy called Patrick Holford. And um, the book were at the end of the book were three or four nutritionists. And, the, you know, this was we're talking 20 something years ago. And um, I called a nutritionist. I didn't know anything about nutrition. Um, I called a nutritionist. She happened to be quite close to where my parents lived. Um, I went to see her and she changed my life. And in three months, she changed my life. Um, So I went from being, you know, anxiety attacks because I was so fatigued all the time, which means I'd get very overwhelmed if I had to do anything because I knew my body couldn't handle it. I went from that to pursuing my dream of being a TV presenter, which I then was able to do. And then so years later, when I thought, you know, I can't see how I'm going to sustain this job, which was a dream job, and I loved it, but I couldn't see how I'd sustain it with motherhood. I thought, you know what, I've never forgotten her, never. Um, How amazing would it be to have that impact on the lives of other people? And I retrained. Wow, what an inspiring story. That's absolutely amazing. Like that that turnaround, that's just like that's mind blowing. Yeah. In such a short time as well. Yeah. 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 Amazing. I can yeah, I can really see where that passion and drive comes from then as well. And I think particularly as mums. So um I know your speciality is in helping knackered, tired out, worn out, sort of fed up mums. Um and I know that like as working mums, our days are always full. I think regardless of, you know, how much we we can dictate our own schedule, for example, our days are full no matter what. And um, I find that it's very easy to become like normalised to being tired and worn out all of the time. And so... I'm curious from your experience, like what do you find like some common challenges that mums are are struggling with are in terms of, you know, how um, maybe a lack of or yeah, lack of nutrition is showing up in their lives? Um, I think it's often the the problem is often that when we become mums, we transfer all our energy all our love obviously to our tiny human and that becomes a habit that habit of never finishing a meal or prioritizing a load of laundry over sitting down to eat or whatever it is you know there's always that 
um, what else is there to do rather than what can I do for myself? That become that thought becomes, I think, secondary to everything we do. Um, and so motherhood was, I qualified, I was pregnant with my first son when I qualified. Um, and so that was a real baptism of fire for me, motherhood, in terms of looking after myself, even though I knew the importance of it. Um, I realised that it wasn't that simple. It wasn't as simple as I know that I need to. It was how do I? Um, and then the next couple of years for me were a real... Um, steep learning curve in terms of um, how you do that. Um, and the reason I'm the knackered mum's nutritionist, that was kind of born uh, comparatively recently, about a couple of years ago, because I lost a very close friend um, very quickly. And um, she was the same age as me. She had three young children. She cooked me dinner on Saturday night. Um, we said goodbye. She texted me on Sunday to say she didn't feel well. I got a call from another close friend on the Tuesday to say she'd been rushed to hospital and then the next call to say she had died. Um, And um, that really pulled us all up short, I think, because that um, prioritising everyone else's well-being feels like it's done from a place of such great love. And of course it is, but the universe revolves around us for our family and so it seems it's almost perverse that we don't look after ourselves and her death I think we thought we were invincible our children were all quite small um her boys were all under seven at the time and I think we thought that well we have to be all right so we'll be all right and although her death was tragic um I have felt guilt ever since her death if I'm being honest because I knew she was knackered she was deep knackered to the core you know three babies in four years um she didn't have family support um and I I was always trying to get her to eat better and I, I felt like I didn't do enough to help her so I think if I'm being honest I've, I've only kind of faced into this myself recently the heart of my business the passion of my business is trying to is doing this for for Joe for, mm. because I, I think every time I help a mum prioritize her health and feel well, um, I'm 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 doing something. I'm putting something back into the universe, really. Mm. And so I think it's very easy to um, disregard the fact that we haven't eaten properly today because we've been too busy. We haven't got time. So that's what I hear from mums. I don't have time. I don't have time to eat properly. I don't know what to eat. Um, it doesn't matter. This is fine, whatever it is. So ultimately that leads to fatigue and low energy, but there's also other things that underplay our health as mums that again, we tend to ignore. So it could be hormonal imbalance. So, so many women just accept as normal that they've got heavy periods or sore boobs for half the month or PMS. That means they're on the verge of tears for two weeks of their cycle. It could be that they've got undiagnosed thyroid problems are really common it could be that they um, they just um, don't know how to eat anymore because they've become overwhelmed with all the information that's out there. You know, there are so many things, and don't do not underplay postnatal depletion. I see that all the time in women who may have two children who are two and four, for example. So they're thinking, "Wow, I had a baby a long time ago." But of course, if you never paid attention to your recovery, you know, in terms of nutritionally, then nothing changes. 
you may still have low b12 and low iron you may still need lots of magnesium you all of these things don't go away so that even though the the presenting symptom so to speak is knackered what is underneath that can be many things contributing to that not just sleep deprivation and Mm. not not eating breakfast you know it, it tends to be more complex Hmm. I think like first of all what a touching story like I can really really feel in that where like your passion and your drive comes from and like a really um really like genuine place of really wanting to support other mums through because I do think it's this this thing that we become like normalized to so many like so many creeping um challenges I guess and then when they all stack up they they mount up to something way way bigger than that Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate you sharing that story um I think as well like that that bit about getting into habits like I've noticed so my kids are actually like almost two and four and I really relate to that like slow creep because I know that like pre-kids cooking was one of my hobbies I really enjoyed like you know delving into recipe books and experimenting a bit and like I've always like naturally the foods that I like have tended to be you know I'm using my air quotes like healthy foods you know with lots so I'd I'd create these dishes with loads of different ingredients and obscure ingredients and now like I do none of that (laughs) because I just it is it's the I'm not sure it's the time issue for me. It's more like the hassle. So like if yeah. if there are kids like tearing around and like there's less inclination to spend this peaceful time in the kitchen. Um, and so what I have what I've found is ways to like make cooking exciting again, but in a, in a, a quicker way. So like I get, uh, we get a local vegetable box delivery. So, you know, then planning meals around like simple meals around like local good quality ingredients, things like that. But that has definitely been a journey for me. You know, there was a good while when, especially when my first son was born, when I was like living off like peanut butter and banana sandwiches because because yeah. you can make those with one hand. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And there can be that disconnect, I think, after we've had kids where food is just fuel. It's literally, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially you're thinking, if you're breastfeeding, you're thinking, well, I've got to get the calories in. And I remember a mum call, calling me and saying, well, you know, I've just been living off fizzy drinks and sweets, but it doesn't matter, does it? Because I'm getting the calories in and I just kind of wanted to cry. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's like, you know, it's food isn't just fuel, it's information for your body. So it's not just sustenance. It's it's literally instructing your, your cells, your genes, all, you know, it's so important that we connect to our food. So we don't have to spend hours in the kitchen, but we have to, we have to make that connection between nourishment and what we eat um, yes. because that's it's really powerful once we make that connection, when we sort of get out of that. And I remember that, you know, when my boys were talking, exactly that, that kind of, oh, God, I've just got to eat something. I've just <laughs> got to eat something. And actually, it, it's true that you've just got to eat something. So it's always better to eat something than nothing. Um, but it's how can I, what can I eat in five minutes that will energize me what can I eat in five minutes that will help me sleep or patience you know it's just um seeing food in a different way and I think it's like I think in that from that perspective like I love that because it's also I think like the intention behind that Mm -hmm. um like 
take like setting the intention that you are going to do something that nourishes your body and like and mm. and gives you that feel and makes you feel good about yourself and um, too um so given that that we are all busy and have very full days what are like what would you say are sort of the fundamentals to be like aiming to like get right as it were throughout the day um, I think starting with breakfast is really important. I think uh, you need to see that as a way to kickstart your energy for the day. And a lot of women underestimate how impactful what you eat for breakfast is on what you eat for the rest of the day. So you're setting your intention for the day with a nourishing breakfast. So if you have a piece of toast and jam or you bolt a bowl of cornflakes, what's going to happen is that you're going to be starving an hour later. You're probably going to be rushing. Your day is picked up by then. So you are going to reach for a quick energy source because your body will be screaming for energy. So you will get, your body will in, be in, pushing you towards, you know, something that's sweet almost certainly mm. something sugary or something caffeinated because you're, you really need that energy. Um, so actually starting the day with um, a breakfast that includes some protein, some fiber and some healthy fats, those three things in combination are nourishing. They will fill you up. Your The, the healthy fats um, help to slow down the metabolism of protein, which means you're fuller for longer. And that actually means that you are more likely to get through the morning without snacking and you might be able to make a, a healthful choice for lunch rather than again, you've had that sugary snack mid-morning, you've burned through that by one o'clock. So by one o'clock, you're starving, you haven't got a lot of time. And then, you, you know, it's that's hour by hour energy management. And that's usually a cycle that results in stress, feeling stressed, feeling more anxious, feeling more overwhelmed um, because your blood sugar is so low. So, you know, we've, you know that feeling of hunger where you feel almost shaky. Mm. Well, we're trying to um, avoid that situation. And by starting with that really nourishing breakfast, um, it's a good way to try and counter that eating later in the day that doesn't serve your energy. Fantastic. And um, I... I think I would love to just say at this point that you have a fantastic resource on five minutes breakfast. I do. On, yes. On yes. my website. Yeah. So we shall fantastic link to that at the minutes. end, which is yeah. yeah, brilliant for that. Um, fantastic. And then anything else like throughout the day? Um, I think if you are hungry and you want to snack, snack, but have some protein when you snack. So a great snack is a palmful of nuts and a bit of fruit, some dark chocolate. Fine. Don't go for the milk chocolate. Dark chocolate's got some a great source of magnesium it's um it's um got great antioxidants in it from the, the cacao so anything 70 percent and up is great have that with a palm full of nuts for the protein um staying staying hydrated as well so you know when we have when we live on tea and coffee through the day um both of those are diuretics so they make us go to the loo more um so actually they're dehydrating they're more they're not hydrating so i would always say if you have five, six cups of coffee a day or the same of tea, try and swap two of those out for mm. herbal tea or a glass of water. So actually hydration is really important. When we're feeling sluggish or headachey, it could be our blood sugar, but it could also be we haven't had a drink all day because we've been yes. washing. So yes. even just, you know, drinking, trying to drink your litre of water a day, that mm. eight glasses of water that we all read about in glossy magazine <laughs> yeah. in our 20s, um, that's still good advice. Um, yeah, so that that can help as well just to, um, just to keep us going and not skipping meals if you possibly can. So if you know you're going to be rushing all day, keep something in your handbag, keep us, you know, I always keep nuts in my handbag or little sachets of peanut butter, throw in a napple or a pear, if you know you're going to be out and rushing around um 
you know, if you have a bag of crisps, make sure you've got something like hummus in the house so that you get some protein and healthy fats from the hummus. So you're having your crisps if you get that craving for a crunch, but you're adding a, some, some nutritional value to, to that snack as well. So it's just always thinking, mm, can I make this a bit more nutritious? Mm, amazing, amazing. And I imagine those things are like a, whatever, like a virtuous circle, you know, just having that little bit more awareness then gets like help break those the and old habits. Habit. And it, yes, it exactly. Healthy exactly. habits is exactly that. You know, after a month, you won't think about it. You'll, without thinking, you will grab a snack and put it in your handbag because you know that if you're not going to get a chance to eat anything today, at least you've got something. Yes, yes. So talking of mealtimes, um, when kids and particularly, well, I was going to say particularly young kids, but maybe not, maybe the challenge comes <laughs> more with older kids, one that I'm not I'm um, not accustomed to yet. But yeah, when kids are involved in mealtimes, like how, how do we ensure that we are like meeting our own nutritional needs while also like meeting their nutritional needs and also their like preferences around food as well. Um, I don't feel like I've got particularly picky eaters myself, um, but I know that it is uh, like a common challenge for many parents. It's a really, it's a really big question. Um, lots of answers flitting through my mind. <laughs> so if in the first instance, I think, um modeling good behavior to our kids is important so if they see us enjoying healthy food um they are more likely to want to try healthy food um so when they're small um that might just mean without any pressure i always think trying to take any pressure away from feeding children is helpful you know just having um crudite on the on the table when you're cooking for example, you're hungry and you're cooking, um, make sure there's some chopped up red pepper or some carrots or some dips. Um, children like putting little fingers into little bowls. So just making that appealing for them and colour is always appealing to them. You're not asking them to eat. It's just on the table. And, the, you know, toddlers are more likely to try food that way. Um, there's lots of ways of cheating with small children to get fruit and vegetables into them. Um purees are great putting courgette or beetroot or carrots into muffins or you know things like that or what I used to do is I used to puree vegetables freeze them so I might have say a green uh, which was spinach and pea I might have a red that was butternut and red pepper and I would puree them keep them in the freezer and I would just drop those into stews or casseroles so you couldn't identify the vegetables but you knew the goodness was there so that's a nice one if you're weaning or your children are quite small still um and then what I would say is that often parents will come to me because I do look after children as well and they will say they had a great appetite or they were great eaters and then everything changed that can be developmental. That can just be an age thing and they grow out of it. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it is that they've had a really bad infection. They've had a terrible tummy bug and they've lost their appetite and it doesn't really come back. There are other reasons for that. It could be their zinc is low. So zinc gives us a sense of taste. It helps with our appetite. So sometimes um, low zinc can be a reason that children aren't as engaged in food as they were. So if you've got a child that was a really, really good eater and then all of a sudden they weren't, that's one, one possibility. Um, and then with older children, I think it's just about persistence. If you've got sort of um, preschoolers, um, it can take 10 to 20 exposures of a food for a child to accept it. So don't put any pressure on yourself. 
just keep trying, keep putting it in front of them. If they don't eat it, try and shrug it off without fight feeling, you know, um, disappointed. Mm. Um, um, and just, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it, it can be a bit of a battle, but we don't want it to be a battle. That's the yes. problem when it becomes emotional and it becomes stressful for mum, then that adds an element um, to meal times that it just makes them more difficult, really. Yes, I imagine. Um, yeah, I imagine that a part of your work is that like almost the emotional support there, mm. because like I know my older son in particular, I say I don't have fussy eaters. I don't. It's almost like the the inverse, if you like, of picky eaters. Like my son will like like olives and anchovies and caper things that I would have thought were quite obscure tastes. But yet sometimes things like I don't know sweet corn he'll like one day he'll devour it and the next day we'll look at it yeah. and it's really it's like it's hard sometimes to not say but you know you ate that yesterday so like why would you eat it today yeah and get a bit like caught up in it and I imagine then that there's an element of your work that's supporting mums like moving away from that almost like a power struggle yeah with, absolutely with and the, then it- what I often see as well is, so I had a client recently and she had three children um, and two of them, they were twins, two of them, um, one would only eat carb, one would only eat protein and was vegetarian, had just become vegetarian. And then she had a younger child who really only wanted to eat beige food. So she was basically cooking four meals every evening and she was exhausted just from that, never mm-hmm. mind everything else that was going on from her health. So what we did was try to create meals. Um, what we did do was create meals that meant that she was only cooking once, but was able to look after everyone. And there was a degree of, this is what I've cooked. This is what we're having. If you don't eat, these are teenagers you're talking about. If you don't want to eat, then make yourself a sandwich. There is a degree to which she had to reach that point of, I'm going to cook one really lovely meal that I will, t- you know, do what you want. You're, there's pasta there for you and there's tofu there for you. Um, it's a great meal, but if you don't want to eat it, then that's all there is. Mm. Over a period of three months, the kids, there was some restri- sort of um, um, resistance, but actually by the end of three, four months, we worked together. Everyone was sitting down to eat a meal together. The four, um, the parents and the two older children were sitting down, sharing a meal um and she was cooking once Mm. and just that made a big difference so there is that power struggle doesn't end when they are four or five it can come back with a vengeance when you've got teenagers in the house Um, so again it's about your boundaries as a mum and just saying you know I'm not a short order cook I am not here to spend three hours in the kitchen every night it's so depressing to to see every evening as a time just to try and please five four five people in your household um, teach them to cook. <laughs> yeah. Yes, which is a great opportunity right, as well. Yeah. There are the eggs, yeah. scramble something. There's the bread, make a sandwich. There's the fridge, you know. Um, you know, so teaching our kids how to eat well and why why we want them to eat well is, is part of the picture as well. Mm, I really, really love that story. It really brings it back to me, like the what the wider impact of your work gets to be. So actually, like for many people, it's not like nutrition is I guess at the heart of it but it's the knock-on effect of that so you know for for that particular case I imagine for them I'm going from the like the mental burden of having to come up with four different meals Mm. and the physical Mm. effort of having to make it and then like a slightly like chaotic dinner time where you know no one maybe was interacting at at their best 
to then going to something that was way more simpler and everyone yeah. being able to sit down together and eat from the same place like that in day-to-day family life yeah. the impact of that is huge yeah. and goes way beyond like the benefits of of you know the nutrition itself it's yeah, like the so social she, she engagement to, there she would get to every sort of early evening and go oh yeah because she just felt that was her evening was mm-hmm. coming trying to come up with ideas and then trying to please everyone um and we can get stuck in that role as mums and of course in some households um if there's a partner the partner will cook but in my experience of the hundreds and hundreds of women I've seen 99% of them do the cooking mm. or do the majority of the cooking so it tends to fall on the shoulders of mums to to feed everyone and even if you love food that's not always fun <laughs> yes yes yeah. yes yes yeah I know there's I feel like for me there's there's the two different cooking modes there is that providing fuel mode and then there's cooking yeah, for the joy and yes exactly so if any mums listening feel that any you know things that you've said have really struck a chord and they could do with some further support around any of the the topics we've discussed how can they find out more Um, my website is a good place to start uh, thaliapellegrini.com I have a private Facebook group for mums called the Nourished Mum Meetup which is a space dedicated to mum health and I'm very present in the group so I'm always dropping in um, recipe ideas or this is what I had for breakfast this is what took five minutes I didn't have anything in the cupboards this is what I created for dinner Um, so um, that's a good place if you go to my website and sign up for the five um, for the um, five minute breakfasts you'll be on my mailing list and you'll hear about my free event and challenges that I've run through the year there'll be another one in January fantastic that is a thank oh what a wealth of resources there um <laughs> thank you very much and um I will link all of those in the show notes as well so they are an easy click away for anyone who wants to follow up um but yeah thank you so so much for your time this morning it's been a really enjoyable and really valuable conversation I feel like I've really learned a lot and I'm taking away new tips and tricks for myself so thank you Thank you so much, Debbie. Lovely to talk to you, Thalia. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Balancing Act podcast. If you'd like to connect with other working mums just like you who are seeking more balance in their everyday, then come join us on the free Facebook community, The Balancing Act for Working Mums. If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast on your favourite platform so that we can spread the word to all the working mums out there looking for more balance. Until then, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.